What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and all the places you need your music to be. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in-store 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor fastest payouts they help out with automatic splits cover song clearance and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases i dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians bands studio artists DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home, and they also offer label services as well. They've got three different tiers to offer creators that start as low as $22.99 a year. That's just $1.92 per month, and even their top tier breaks down to only $7.50 per month. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper for you. Check out the link in the episode notes. I also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it'll give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKids sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their longtime support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Drops. Drops are an organ-based edible company and one of my go-tos when I'm heading into the dispensary. Their consistency and price point keeps them in my regular rotation of gummies. I love their 100 milligram canisters that have the little 5 milligram bites in there. They make it easy to monitor dosage and not get unexpectedly blasted. The chill ones are my favorite. They're this banging watermelon flavor and one thing that I love about these edibles is that they taste great. Sometimes you get some edibles that pack a punch but taste horrible and drops I have to be careful with because they taste so good that I just want to eat them like a bag of Sour Patch Kids. With drops you can choose your edibles based on how you want to feel. That's possible because drops are made with live rosin, a solventless full spectrum cannabis concentrate. As a full spectrum concentrate, rosin contains the full array of psychoactive compounds in cannabis which work together to give each strain its unique effect. All of their cannabis is flash frozen and processed into that live rosin. The flash freezing prevents plant material from decomposing and preserves terpenes that evaporate during the traditional drying and curing processes. They come in 10 different flavors and strains to choose from, including several CBD variations. You can find drops at your favorite local organ dispensary. Just tap into the link in the episode notes to find a supplier in your area. Big thanks to Drops for their support. Let's start the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. 
and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast, and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. Give it a follow and five stars on Spotify if that's where you're listening from. Tell a friend about the podcast. Leave a comment on a social media post. Check out the monthly playlist that I've been dropping every first of the month. Pretty spread out genre-wise. Just a snapshot of what I'm listening to throughout the month and some things that are making it in to my DJ sets. Those are on uh, Apple and Spotify. Links for those in the episode notes hope everybody is doing well out there i am uh i'm just like absolutely exhausted feeling a little out of gas after uh getting home from tour and then just like a few days later i spent this past weekend playing in a hockey tournament with my friends and uh it was it was a blast but it was just so exhausting to come back from not really doing much physical activity other than unloading and loading a bus full of music gear, which uh, is, I don't know, I guess requires some physical activity every day for the most part doing that when you're on tour. But uh, other than that, you know, there was not uh, too much fitness going on. And usually I'm playing hockey a couple times a week and uh i so i came back from tour and uh immediately was pretty much in this hockey tournament friday saturday and sunday played four games one on friday night two on saturday and then uh finished out the tournament on sunday we finished in second we uh we lost to the team that didn't lose the entire tournament they went 4-0 so i guess that's the that's the best team that you want to you want to lose too if you're if you're not going to but it was uh it was super fun it's it was it was pretty much uh the portland pine cones squad who i play with regularly except we had uh, a couple additions to the team some some guys that uh have played with us previous seasons but have since moved on to uh other teams or divisions so it was uh, it was cool to have uh a lot of those guys back in the locker room always fun to play hockey with those guys i mean hockey is the the thing that i care equally or potentially more about than than music even as far as uh playing it and uh, i'm a pretty pretty avid watcher of the game as well but uh it's it's very fun to play in hockey tournaments just because it's something I grew up doing as a kid and it's not something that I get to do regularly anymore. It was always kind of part of my, my year as it's, you know, from as young as eight, you know, all the way to, to 18. So it was, uh, it was something that would come up usually around the holidays and in three, four times a year got to play in these hockey tournaments where usually I was, I was traveling with a, a team and we would either go to another state or host it at our home rink or 
we would, uh, you know, drive a few hours. I was in Southern California. So sometimes we would go up to San Jose. I remember doing that one a handful of times for, uh, Thanksgiving, or we would go to Phoenix, Arizona. And, uh, if you were on the teams that, uh, were all, the, uh, the families had, were a little more wealthy than you went to uh, places like Lake Placid or you went to Canada even or, you know, somewhere on the, the East Coast. So it uh, it varied a lot. We went to like Vegas. I remember a few times that would be something, but uh, that's something I really miss. I love the weekend tournament. It's so fun to like get to play that many games kind of back to back and uh just to like kind of hang out there'd be these times where there's there's time even even when you're playing in your uh your home region as i did this weekend we just played at the rink that we normally play at out in vancouver washington so that's uh that's where i'm playing hockey twice a week anyways it's like you know 20 or 30 minutes away but with the weekend tournament you spend a little more time at the rink either uh you know waiting for your your second game of the day or just kind of like scoping out the other teams that are playing and everybody's kind of hanging around the facility you know talking with uh talking with the the players from the other teams or you're just kind of you know bullshitting in the parking lot or whatever you know getting to know some people around the rink that you see regularly but don't ever really talk to because they're not on your team or uh you know you haven't had any skates with them or, or things along those lines but like i was saying it's just something that really like reminds me of my childhood and like some of my most cherished moments are are probably at those hockey tournaments as kids and and sometimes i would get sent to go by myself you know if my parents couldn't afford to also go on the trip they would just send me and you know i'd like either stay with a, another family or you know sometimes i just got like my my own hotel room i remember one time that was like one of the first times i i ever smoked weed <laughs> as i got older and uh was in high school and just was on this team of like degenerates when i was 15 and uh just a very i would say it was like the most ragtag bunch of of dudes that i played with as uh like as a travel club hockey player it was like guys that were like there was guys on our team that would like smoke cigarettes in the parking lot <laughs> before practices and shit it fucking blew my mind because i wasn't like doing too much of that yet and if i was i was i was definitely not experimenting in public spaces like that like it was just these guys just walk in like smelling like cigarettes and i'm just like damn this is fucking wild and uh in this one particular tournament up in san jose i had my my own room and i ended up kind of having a party in the room and uh we definitely smoked some weed in there and that was yeah that was one of the first times that i had ever done it i guess i had a i had this weird stint uh freshman year of high school i guess before this thinking back to first time smoking cigarettes or smoking weed things as a child i thought i would never do it's funny thinking back on it now because I, I think it's just like feels like it was this big deal that I was doing it. And also when I see a like a 14 or 15 year old smoking cigarettes or like 
trying to buy beer at the fucking gas station or whatever. It's just like always funny to see how young they look and how ridiculous I must have looked. But when I was 14, my parents got divorced and I feel like up until then I was like a pretty good boy other than like pulling pranks or, you know, ding dong, ditching toilet paper in people's houses, things like things like that. Usually nothing that would like defaced like property or like damaged it permanently. Um, I think most of it for was, uh, pretty, pretty innocent or you know not really costing anyone anything other than their time which i guess is pretty valuable to be spending your sunday cleaning up your uh your house that has just been annihilated with toilet paper you know i felt like i was if there was something i was good at in high school it was toilet papering houses you know (laughs) it's great but anyway i would say up until then up until freshman year of high school, I was a, I was a pretty good boy, you know, I wasn't trying any cigarettes or anything like that or hadn't smoked weed and, uh, didn't find myself, I guess, like in much trouble of any kind, I would say. So I think, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like blame this solely on parents divorce i think this is like also probably just part of being uh, a kid in high school and 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 exploring some things but i started doing some shit like early freshman year where i was you know hanging out with like people that i probably wouldn't normally maybe hung out with and been allowed to hang out with them for more extended periods of time than uh maybe my parents would have allowed when they had more supervision on me or or something like that so yeah i was like smoking cigarettes and fucking smoking weed out of a like soda can you know first experiences smoking weed were definitely out of like a soda can you know and and i don't remember really getting that that stone from it like i don't remember you know any of those times feeling like i was getting super blasted or anything and it was probably the coke can you know i probably just wasn't like really getting much more than the uh burning of the aluminum so um those were the first times i smoked weed though where it's you know amidst that freshman year and being a little bit more rebellious than uh that i had been previously and then that was like it was such a short phase though it was like a few months and i was and then like kind of felt like i it wasn't uh like it wasn't for me like i wasn't super uh i wasn't super into it so it wasn't until you know a year and a half later or so like i might have been 16 when I went to this hockey tournament and had my own room, but it definitely felt like there was a significant gap. Like I wasn't smoking weed regularly. It hadn't been until that time freshman year that, uh, that I had got like smoked any weed. So I was just like having this party at this hockey tournament in my room and, uh, got away with it. Told my mom about it later. She was not thrilled. She was very upset with me about it (laughs) it was it was funny oh man whenever my mom would get like furious at me i would just do whatever i could to make her laugh and i could break her sometimes 
And when I did, she would just start laughing hysterically and then she would get even madder after that because then I had I had I had fucked up the thing you know I, I just like she knew that I wasn't taking it seriously it was incredible incredible but grateful I was able to play in this tournament with these guys this weekend it was uh absolutely exhausting playing four games in like whatever it is 48 hours or however much time that ended up being um, was is just like rough on the body. I think if you're not <laughs> regularly working out, you know, I play hockey a couple of times a week, usually when I'm, when I'm in town, but yeah, just it wrecked me, but it also brought back so many like great memories of uh, like I said, going to these, these hockey tournaments as a kid and just like some of the, experiences that you get to have when you're traveling with those uh you know those teams those were like my early traveling experiences going somewhere as a team sometime like in in a charter bus like with the with all the families and stuff and it was just like yeah that shit was so much fun and i caused such a havoc in those hotels i made it like a uh it ended up being like this stupid thing where I would steal like wet floor signs from like hotels. I would just put them in my hockey bag and I collected them and they ended up like in my room as, you know, part of the, uh, the decor in my room would be like these wet floor signs that I stole from hotels or, you know, just, I just did such stupid shit like that, like pulling fire alarms in hotels, maybe and then blaming it on other teams who would then get in trouble for it. Or there was like the couple hotels where the pool ended up being in the middle of where all the rooms were. So I remember this dude, Adam and I just water ballooned the shit out of people for a while at that pool. And uh, it was just like really hard to tell where they were coming from. Just shit like that. Or just putting all of the furniture from the, uh, what is it? The foyer? That's probably not the right thing. But you know when you get out of the uh, the elevator on each floor and there's often like this common area where there's maybe a, a couch there and a couple tables or, you know, a couple individual chairs. We would just take all that shit and we would just put it in the elevator and then push all the buttons and send it on its way. And uh, yeah, I was a little I was a little asshole. I had a lot of fun doing stuff like that, though. And, uh, it's nice to be in touch with some shit that makes me feel like a kid. I think going to the hockey rink still makes me feel like a kid and playing adult league hockey, you're usually stuck playing like these late games and they can start anywhere from, you know, 7 PM to as late as 11, 15 PM. And, uh, you don't often get to play in the morning because those times are reserved for the kids on the weekends they're reserved for all the youth games that are happening which makes sense or you know during the week you're not going to be able to go play hockey usually and then during the week it has to be you know after everybody's done with their their nine to five situation or, or whatever their their job is and so it's not often at all that you get to play a a game early in the morning and we had uh one of these like 
eight or 9am games where it's just really nice to immediately like wake up and then head straight to the hockey rink. It's such like a great way to start my day. I, I remember it even as a kid, as a kid, I was definitely like, I'm definitely more of a morning person than I've ever been. And, and I, I can be a morning person if I need to be. But as a kid, I would just like sleep the fuck in. I would stay up so late all the time. And then I would sleep till like 10 to noon, whatever I would, I would sleep hard sometimes past that noon mark, depending on how far I pushed it. But I just remember hating waking up for anything in my life, except for hockey. It was like hockey and Christmas. But if, if I needed to be awake at four in the morning, which sometimes we, we did have to be awake at four in the morning to go to these games because they would start as early as six or maybe we're playing a game that's three hours away or something, you know, along those lines. So it's just, uh, it's just one of those things I remember waking up for very excited and, uh, I, I got to have that experience this weekend of just like being so goddamn tired Saturday morning, but also being so stoked. I was just like, this is great. We're going to the rink. Yeah. We're going straight to the hockey rink and that's how we're going to start off the day. And the boys started it off with a win. And then we got another win that put us in, in the, in the ship. And then we had to play the, the team that we lost to in the first game for that championship. And, uh, and they took us down. We had some unfortunate, plays and bounces but uh yeah super fun weekend with the cones we'll be back in the fall jumping back into to league play we're taking the summer off and uh yeah just a, a killer weekend i got to you know not only did i get to play hockey all weekend then i got to go see uh my favorite songwriter in the city play a show at my favorite venue in the city the doug fur so i got to see Isabeau over there, the artist that uh, that I manage, and I went straight from the hockey rink right to the Doug Fur, and got there in time to to hang out and have a have a pre show meal with uh, with she and her her bandmates who are just like the the sweetest people and just an an inspiring group to get to to hang out with, and they just played the most killer set one of my my favorite sets that she's ever played and she's got all these new songs that are that are so amazing and it just like continues to blow my mind that that she is just uh continuing to to pump out these these really great songs sometimes i I wonder is like how like where do you kind of like go from here and then i get to hear one of her new songs and, and i'm just like I guess you, this is where you go. You, uh, you just keep moving it along and just like continuing to write these, uh, these really like impactful songs or at least songs that, that seem to, to keep, you know, reining me in. So just a really inspiring set and it made me want to work harder at what I'm doing. And I think that's like, just like the overall vibe right now of everything that uh is going on especially coming home from this high pulp tour that i just got back from and will be probably mostly the focus of this episode i mean i I didn't really anticipate talking about uh childhood hockey tournaments or um you know 
first time smoking weed out of a, uh, a Pepsi can or anything like that. So I guess that's, uh, that's taken on some time here, but, uh, a tour, a tour recap with some commentary and conversation from the band that I recorded a couple days after tour had ended is, uh, is definitely coming at you, but, uh, such a killer set from Isabeau. And I just had like the biggest smile on my face the whole time during this particular set and uh, just felt very lucky to be uh, getting to to work with her and uh, very lucky that I happened to go to that open mic seven years ago where uh, she and I had both showed up to play music and I got to see her play some songs that night and uh, kind of kept up with her ever since, which has been been great and uh really looking forward to all this new music that she's gonna start recording but in short for as exhausted i am from this last weekend of hockey i'm uh i'm just really stoked and energized and excited coming home from this tour which is like not always the case it can be really exhausting and don't usually get a lot of rest and maybe it was just the amount of time that we were out which was about two weeks maybe that feels like it's kind of the sweet spot for things but aside from other circumstances of just not having that many long drives this time around and getting to spend some time in the same spot for multiple days on a few occasions the shows themselves were just really killer and just saw a lot of new people coming out to the shows this was my fourth tour maybe fifth with high pull but i've known the band since its origin so it's been pretty incredible to get to watch it grow firsthand and just see the emotional response that people are expressing through the music and also to see the band's energy around the new tunes that they're playing some of which i'll feature in this episode they just released their fourth single out off this upcoming record which drops july 28th on anti records their second release since signing to that label the final single just came out today it's got jeff parker on it who is just like a monster musician and i know somebody that means like a lot to the inspiration of this band his work with tortoise and, and just everything he does solo that's sweet for max brown solo record that he put out a few years ago was like such a game changer to me so i'm really excited that that this is this one is out like there's some there's definitely some heavy hitters on the on this record and and they'll get mentioned throughout this episode but i would say that that jeff parker is one of the ones that is uh high upon the list to me and uh that song unified dakotas is out now for this the the rest of the record 
to drop. It's been getting some some cool press already, and and we did mostly California on this run of shows, and then wrapped in the the Pacific Northwest. So just West Coast on this one. I'm super stoked that we're heading out to the Midwest and East Coast for all of September, playing some really cool spots on that run, including this festival that I'm stoked for in upstate New York, and uh, we're gonna hit some cities that I haven't been to before, and it looks like I'll get to hit Canada again as well. My first time crossing the Canadian border was last week on this high pole tour. And we were only in Vancouver for about four hours before we drove back to Seattle the same day that we headed out there, but really enjoyed what I did get to see. And the venue we played there at the Gildan Co was really great. Amazing food, this duck sandwich just so lights out. And upon my request, we had to go to Tim Hortons had to have a Tim Hortons stop, which for the people that don't know, Tim Hortons is this Canadian staple of fast food coffee shops. Their menu is kind of all over the place food-wise at this point, sort of a, a chaos menu or what my limited knowledge of a chaos menu is now that I've completed the the Bear Season 2. Amazing show, incredible show. But Tim Hortons, more known for their coffee and donuts. That's all I I was really trying to get there for. And it's this uh, Canadian staple that is all over Canada. It was founded by a hockey player named Tim Hortons. So it's kind of a part of the, uh, the hockey zeitgeist, which is probably why I even knew about it to the extent that I did. And uh, we maybe went at a bad time. Coffee was solid, but the donut selection was meh. And uh, it wasn't great that donut that I got, but, uh, I'm stoked that I got to hit one before we bounce back across the border to America. And I will, I will look forward to, to many more Tim Hortons experiences. I will, I will continue to give it a go. I will explore the menu more. I will get donuts when they're fresher and, uh, just, uh, felt very cool to be there. Even if it was, it was only for a few hours and I got to spend more time up there and try to play a hockey tournament in Vancouver, BC, but I'm, I'm stoked to see Montreal and Toronto next time around. And it'll be fun to be in the homeland of the, the band synth and modular and, and now heart player Antoine Martel, who is French Canadian. But I think because this tour was energizing in a way, I just have for the most part, have come back and tried to get things going right away. A lot of times after tour, I just slip into this three days that extends to a week of just readjusting to different timeline, but it just felt different this time. And maybe that's just also because I'm, I'm getting more used to it. All these places that we drive up and down the West coast are becoming very familiar. And now when we hit certain gas stations or rest stops that we haven't hit, we're just like, Whoa, we've never been here before, but I'm grateful for the work. The days are long, but I'm still very stoked on getting to be a part of it and travel this way. I like being on the road and I'm excited to see how far we can push this thing. And I feel like I'm in this really special position in both of the artists that I work with tour managing for high pulp and managing Isabeau, where I don't contribute anything from an instrumental standpoint, but both pulp and Isabeau and her bandmates make me feel like I'm a member of the group and that feels really good. And I know that my thoughts on the band and the different projects they are working on are valued, whether it's like logistical or on the creative side. So it's, uh, feels like a good 
good spot to be in. I also got to make a few tuna boy videos while I was out on the road, which is another big perk of going out on the road is the opportunity to get to try a lot of different food spots. And if you've been following me on Instagram or TikTok for the past month or so, you know that I've started the tuna boy series in which I talk about my passion for tuna sandwiches. It's right up there with hockey and music. And I know a lot of people didn't know about this about me and it's come to a surprise and maybe it's because I usually save my tuna time for home because I'm I always prefer my own tuna sandwiches more than most you know even even these uh these tuna sandwiches that I'm ranking up with the 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 highest of the high praise you know the eights and the nines and the possible tens that are out there I I just love making my own tuna sandwiches but I've uh I've been doing some some reviews of tuna sandwiches which is so goofy and fun it's surprising to me the amount of people that talk to me about tuna boy I saw three people in Seattle two of which I hadn't spoken to in a number of years and the first thing they brought up was these tuna boy videos so I'm glad people have been enjoying them. It's uh, really just fun putting them together and eating tuna sandwiches is also pretty great. So I got to try some new ones and some familiar ones while I was out on the road, including a subway and a truck stop somewhere along I-5 heading toward Chico, California. And it was, uh, it was, it was subway, you know, it, it wasn't great because it was subway. So I don't know. Check out the video if you want to. If you want to see the the full experience, I, it was it was probably the most detailed uh, video work that I have done on one of these videos. Uh, surprising how much time you can uh, waste on TikTok editing videos and uh, trying to make them engaging um, is for some reason very very fun for me at this point. So, if anyone has any tuna sandwich wrecks anywhere in the country or in the Pacific Northwest. I got my Portland favorites, but I'm open and would love to hear people's suggestions. You can send them to my email, dancablepresents at gmail.com. That's in the episode notes or DM DM me on, on Instagram. I suppose TikTok too. I don't, I honestly just like don't use TikTok more than probably watching other people's videos and then also editing these tuna boy videos. And then I'm kind of out of there, but DM me there. If that's, if that's your preferred spot, I'll, I'll look for those messages and I look forward to seeing them. And, uh, with that, I want to share some of this conversation I had with the band a couple days after. And with that, I want to share some of this conversation that I had with High Pulp a couple days after we had ended our tour in Portland and they had headed back to Seattle where half the band resides. And I just wanted to see how everybody was feeling about this run and the new music. And uh, again, that new record drops on July 28th and you can pre-order it now all the links for the band will be in the episode notes appreciate y'all tuning in i'll be back next tuesday with a fresh episode with myself in conversation with an artist and leading us in to the back half of this episode is one of the singles off that new high pulp record coming at you and this one is called dirt mouth it features their anti-records label mate james brandon lewis who is a great saxophone player so stay up stay tuned send me an email tell me about your tuna sandwiches tell me about uh hockey whatever you want to talk about in the emails i'm i'll I'll read them 
on the episode. So let's do it. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to also doing some more of these kind of tour diary episodes where maybe it's just uh, a little bit more me rambling while I'm out on the road in September. So I think we'll, we'll get a little bit more uh, story time. I think Isabel would call it story time, you know, with Dan. And I'll, uh, I'll, I, I had... I've had a lot of time to think about uh, some things or reflect, I think, on, on childhood good memories in the, these last road trips. And uh, I think it would be fun to sort of, sort of share some of those, those stories on the mic in, in some capacity. So maybe we'll end up in these, these tour diary episodes, all right? Anyway, this is High Pulp with Dirt Mouth. James Brandon Lewis on the saxophone. Stay tuned for that record and uh, enjoy the rest of the episode. feel good felt like a lot of things fell into place that have been you know long-term things that we've been working on and to see them all coalesce and manifest like they did that was really rewarding what's it been like playing the new the new music during this run super good the new music like i feel like it just like clicked into place like very early in the tour and it, it was did. like, oh yeah, this is what we should be, this is what we should be doing. A song like "The City Will Kill You," I was a little like, let's see how this goes in certain venues, you know, like, and Wax Hands, like, just shit. Where it's like, wow, this, we're playing this to a dinner crowd right now, or whatever. But those yeah. were the songs that they fucked with, like, the most, almost, the most, yeah. you know, more so than like th- songs that I thought were gonna be a little bit more appealing to like that shit. So I feel like it's, I don't know, the two songs we're learning now are just like also full deep end songs i feel like our september set's gonna be cool because like it'll just be full fucking deep end but also like i don't know it also seems to be accessible still like that's the whole point of like how the dinner crowd somehow fucked with it because mm-hmm. it's you know we have this internal debate in our band of whether our music is like weird or not and i think it sort of is i don't know n- neither you know both whatever yeah, it's the wrong question somehow it's accessible but it's also yeah. like something that's you know the whole tone scale and fucking slaw, <laughs> you know? It's funny. Yeah, it's funny music. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like getting rid of some of those older <laughs> songs has now allowed us to, like... It, it feels more cohesive, I guess. Because sometimes you'd be playing songs like Serena that we wrote in, like, 20... We started that shit in, like, 2017 or something. We were playing it for a long time, and it, like, takes you back. It's like It sounds like it's from a different place, and now that it, everything is more cohesive... It, it allows you to sort of be like weirder in certain places, but it sounds less weird because it's cohesive. Mm-hmm. The weirdness is accentuated by like in songs, I feel like. That's what I'm trying to say. I think the two that stick out the most were like uh, SF Jazz because 
I mean, in addition to the luxury of the hotel rooms for all of the band members. Mm -hmm. That was um, so dope. Which was never before experienced. And just the nice, like, green room area on the second floor where you could be really just on your own and then come down for the show. But then also playing the two, the two different sets. Um, or, like, the, we played the same set twice, basically, but to two different crowds, which that was the first time, I think, that we've mm -hmm. done that. Yeah. And, uh, and there were a lot of people there, and they were all, like, pretty into it, and it was interesting the way the first set and the second set, like, changed energy-wise. Or Well, bro, you, you know, shouldn't be playing second. when it's light out. <laughs> yeah. You know? And if you are playing when it's light out, you should be in a fucking basement like we were in Vancouver, where you can't <laughs> yeah. tell. Like, that was the weirdest thing, is, like, playing a sold-out show that started at, like, 7.30 or whatever. Where we were yeah. playing right by a window. We're playing by a window, yeah. yeah. You're playing, right. like, a wall of windows. It's very clear. You're, it's, it was just bizarre. It was cool, though. I, I did it. I did yeah, see I didn't a lot just of... Like, it was just bizarre. From sitting on the stage, like, on my position, I could see a lot of people outside stopping by and, like, just, like, listening yeah. through the window. Me too, cool. yeah. Well, you know what's funny? I can, I can send you a video of it, but at a certain point, I walked outside and videoed you guys from the outside. And you actually cannot hear shit. Oh, yeah. It's no, like completely I soundproof. I remember that from when we played at the rickshaw oh, yeah. last time. There was some band so that was watching. like sound checking, and we were like, oh, that's the room we're playing in because it's right on the yeah. street and you couldn't hear shit. No. Yeah, that was certainly like a cool leveling up of, you know, being at the rickshaw just like four to six months ago and walking by that place last time, and then for y'all to be playing there back-to-back -back, like sold out shows and there was like it felt like there was this clear difference in energy from the early and late show and even the people that came to those shows you know you kind of had like maybe the older crowd that came out to the early set and then it seemed like a little bit more of a, a standing crowd and like people were moving a little bit more during that that late show and it was just like also cool to I've never seen you guys play like two sets like that kind of back to back where you just have like 15, 20 minutes in between. And like, you could just tell that like the second one was like a little bit looser and you're just like really having fun, but everything was also like really tight because of the first set. Yeah, exactly that. You get to take all the lessons that you learn from the first set and just immediately apply them. Mm -hmm. That's fun. I feel like other than SF, um, I really like Chico. I also liked LA. I, LA was like a for a Tuesday, the room was full and it was like musicians were sick. Musicians were sick. Yeah, Battery, that lineup was Jacob's crazy. amazing in Dakota with Luke and um, Jonathan. Jonathan. Oh my god! I'm yeah, pleased. those. So it was fun to play yeah. with those, you know, those cats. And we like Gold Diggers a lot and. You know, you get the Korean food before, and you go hang out upstairs, and you tell us like 20 times that we're not allowed to smoke up there, and we know. You all take a shower. I took a shower, yeah, you know. So LA, LA is fun. It was fun to see all those, all those people, especially on a Tuesday night. It was, it was a good vibe. But really, all of them, man. We're about to just be listing every fucking show. Cause Sacramento was fun. Fun to play with Neil. Love mischief. Tahoe was beautiful. Yeah. Tahoe, Tahoe was beautiful. Was Tahoe put on pretty hard for, did, did for us too. Hard, yeah. Vancouver, it was chill. We met yeah, some cool yeah. people. I had a good time. Yeah. And the if, duck sandwich was. The duck, oh, oh, shout out yeah. to the bro. The best food of tour was the duck confit sandwich in fucking Vancouver. Yeah, that was fucked up. I left my half of the sandwich at the venue. I'm really sad about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like I, next time I'm in Vancouver, 
and I'm not playing a show, I'm just gonna go there and get that fucking sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. I think almost, if not all of us ordered it, I was like, are we about to just run them out of this menu? <laughs> yeah. And I thought the Vancouver show was like a good example of you winning over the dinner crowd, you know? Like, everybody there seemed to be really into it and, like, very responsive, you know? It didn't feel like you had to make, like, too many adjustments to the set to, like, make it fit there, you know? Vancouver was funny because... We had to play two hours. We had to play two hours, basically. An hour and a half, and, like, our set is truly no more than, like, an hour ten. So... (laughs) Uh, People just like we stuck like, in their solos. Yeah, we so just long. played like astral traveling for <laughs> yeah. like literally probably twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah, I'd say the morale is high. Yeah, I'd agree. Talk to me about this never in my short sweet life that features the incredible mono neon. It's fucking bass heavy. Yeah, we're, we're we're learning that now. Kaylee's learning all those mono neon parts. I was like, it's pretty cool. You just get to like learn his parts. I am fucking... so stoked to rip him off. Yeah. If you're listening, I mean, God bless. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was one that was like a winding road. It started with like Tuan and I, I did this like little up-tempo thing, and then Tuan and I were like, I think that was the one we were like reading chords out of the real book from. I I played a lot of guitar on that one too. I think it was on guitar though. Yeah, I don't remember. We had a hell of a lot of guitar. It wasn't, and we just like sort of like realized a year and a half later it wasn't really good, and we like went back and unearthed some things, and Andy and I did some stuff in my garage, and uh... I flew back down. Tuan flew back down and, like, added to what we'd done. And Andy wrote this crazy horn arrangement. And then Rob and Tuan met up. and Because that, that was interesting because we were trying to, like, bridge this beginning and end part. Did that whole piano modular thing in the middle. But then uh, it kind of worked, but it kind of didn't. And then you came in the end and reinvented that ending with Tuan. Well, yeah, there basically was an outro on this song that they, that Rob's saying they were trying to build a bridge between, and that's sort of the descending uh, acoustic piano part that happens. And that was leading to sort of like a chill, beautiful, like, outro with some, like, skitterish drums and a nice horn arrangement. And we just realized that, like, the thing that they had built didn't really naturally go to that. And we could just sort of kill that whole outro which was sort of a big decision because that was also like i don't know about you guys but i know andy and i were talking about you know how that was like one of our favorite parts of the record and i think everybody really liked it but then the song it just didn't fit with the song so we chose the song sort of over the part yeah all of this to say that song was the most like winding road of composition on this whole record yeah it changed a million times we scrapped it it was like the problem child of the record and then we gave it to mono and he just did us one take and sent it back and it was done (laughs) yeah Yeah, that was interesting too because up to that point there wasn't there just really wasn't any bass so like Mm -hmm. anything could have happened right there and i couldn't believe that one take he sent us just fit like a glove mono just heard like every little thing every little thing in that song and there's a lot of things in that song you heard them all kind of like in real time and just like yeah oh yeah and like would like echo them or yeah. like play with them. That song, the rhythm, yeah. That yeah. song is like, there's like lots of little sprinkles and they come from different places, different instrument, different ears, different whatever. And yeah, like Andy said, like he must have just like been able to hear them all, which means that they were compositionally good, I guess, yeah. that they were able to be communicated and just played with, around all of them. You just like danced around them. It, just the most insane... He's a freak of nature. It's a true blessing to work with him.
Kaylee, what's it like for you as the bass player to like try to mimic or stay true to what Mono did, but also like get your voice in there with your delivery of the, the parts? I don't know, it's kind of early stages. I'm like, what I'm probably gonna do is just learn it all and then fuck around with it outside of the parts. But it's cool because what he's doing is is it feels like there's a lot of hammer-ons and stuff, which is all stuff I'm like working on currently, and it feels like it makes sense. So I'm pretty stoked to just spend time doing it and learning like the shapes that he's using, and then and then fuck around. Mm-hmm. For Being sure. able to transcribe that shit is going to be like uh, a really fruitful thing for oh, yeah. just like your relationship with the instrument, you know. I try to think about like the equivalent of like a mono th- drum thing that I'd have to like learn. Mm-hmm. Like that sounds really daunting, but then at the end you'd be like, "Wow, I'm so much better now!" Yeah, <laughs> like, and yeah. it makes your way, <laughs> makes its way into all your other playing and shit. And because of like where everybody's like located now, this is like another record that a lot of it was done kind of remotely or just you know not often. You y'all are in the same room together. Yes, but also, if you take the whole process that Bobby just described about this song, we were actually in the room together for all of those. Yeah, I'd say the beginning <laughs> wrote stage the horns. was, like, yeah. remote. Well, it was, it's a lot of, like, groups of twos. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's never... I don't think at any point on this record in the composition we were really working together as, like, the band. No. Yeah. But yeah. So it's like, oh, me and Twan are working together. Andy's working on the horn line by himself or whatever. Vic or Rob and Twan are recording the piano part. Or me and Andy are rewriting the horns or whatever. So it's a lot of small group, but it's a really weird way to write. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that also, like, because it's, you know, working in small groups and maybe, like, different lineups of small groups that that, like, brings out different creativity or, you know, brings out different ideas in the the songs to make it more interesting? Yeah, most certainly. It's cool. It's a little bit of a mathy concept, but if you've got, like, you know, say six of us and everybody can either be in or out participating that's like two to the six power subsets of bands that exist within your band <laughs> yeah. right like yeah 64 yeah. possible subsets that's that's crazy. true man that's cool and they do have different outcomes because like they do. you know when i'm working with somebody in the band the vibe is different than when i'm working with other people in the band and we listen to different things we have different overlap you know we have different ways of communicating things and you know that that all like enters the way that you compose stoked for the new record to come out july 28th people can uh pre-order it now and one of the newest singles is uh if you don't leave the city will kill you and uh that was one of my favorite moments in each of the sets it was uh it was really cool to get to hear some of these new songs and hear how you guys have uh you know brought them into the live show and that one features daedalus who uh, will be on some of these September shows. And shout out to London and Johnny for doing the music video for that. Occult Productions, that's their thing in, in Portland. They're doing some of the coolest visuals in Portland, in my opinion, in the Northwest. It's a program. It's a program? It's a program. 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 Say it again. Program. Yeah, say it. It's a program. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a program. 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 It's a
Hey, just want to give a big shout out to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast and for their longtime support of this thing. Don't forget to find that discount link in the episode notes or in my Instagram bio. 30% off your first year membership with DistroKid, helping you get your music in all the places it needs to be. And big thanks to Drops for making some of my favorite edibles in the game, keeping me fine-tuned with their gummies, whether THC-heavy or CBD-heavy. Great for stress and solid sleep. Find them at your favorite local dispensary. Appreciate the support. More info on drops in the episode notes as well. Stay up. Stay tuned. I think that there's things that you want to, like, keep with you from an experience like this and there's things that you would like to unlearn and i really can't like let door dashing mcdonald's become part of my regular life yeah. <laughs> yeah. bro that's the thing tuan and i just got off this tour with with rumgold and delante he's all about the DoorDash. he's all about the uber and i've seen how much uh how nice it is <laughs> i'm just like oh my god we don't have to leave right now like so yeah. yeah, if you let that in, it's going to get you. So, yeah, you got to draw a hard line.